Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and you're very welcome to the show, which is part of the Education on Fire podcast network. I just wanted to take this moment to thank our sponsor, the National Association for Primary Education, who speak for young children and all who live and work for them. This can include parents, teachers, governors and all those interested in primary education. NAEP, which is a non-political charity, works tirelessly to support teachers in the classroom and leads the primary umbrella group of 30 primary subjects associations and unions and gives teachers and schools a voice at governmental level at consultation meetings with ministers for schools. If you'd like your voice to be heard and to find out more information, please visit their website at nape.org.uk. That's N-A-P-E Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome back to this well-being season. And today I'm talking to Helen Pengeli. Um, she's a qualified maths and English as a foreign language teacher, um, but also has been studying meditation and personal development since 2005. And she has something called Conscious Schools Company, which she founded back in 2015. And so really interested to see how we can help and support you as teachers in terms of that overall well-being, the understanding of overwhelm and stress and burnout. And we know that's a really big thing. So Helen, thanks so much for joining us today. Very happy to be here, Mark. Thanks for inviting me on. So let's start with your professional background. I know you've been involved in schools for about 20 years or so, so you really understand it from the coal phase. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I started out as, as you said, teaching English as a foreign language in the 1990s. We lived in Qatar when no, nobody had ever heard of it back then. <laughs> uh, and when, when we, we, we returned to the UK in 1999 and I went back to university because I dropped out of university after a year when I was 19 and went back to university to finish my degree and qualify as a secondary maths teacher. And I taught for three years and left. I was one of the, I think, is it 40% who leave within the first five years? I, I was one of those because I'd just gone through a divorce. I had three young children and I was also quite ill and at the end of my first year of teaching I was diagnosed with celiac disease so I had a lot going on and added to that I had quite a difficult time in my second teaching practice with my so-called mentor and he really knocked my confidence. I'd had really good first teaching practice and in my second teaching practice I was going through my divorce as well. And on the very last day, my university teacher tutor came in and said, what's what's happening? What's going on? And turned out my tutor was going to fail me, (laughs) not my tutor, my mentor. But he hadn't said anything to the university. And of course, when I spoke to her about what was going on in my personal life, and of course, she'd seen me teaching in my first teaching practice, she said, well, we, we have to put in for mitigating circumstances and this so-called mentor should have never been my mentor and I said well I've been trying to tell you that but my tutor had been off sick and uh, so I'd gone through this awful teaching practice and I'd spent most of the time sitting in the loo crying (laughs) because I didn't know who, who to turn to 
anyway, that, as I say, that really knocked my confidence going into, into my first job. And I just really didn't believe in myself. And I was afraid to ask for help because I thought, well, if they think I'm not coping, they'll think I'm not up to the job. And that combined with everything else that was going on meant that I left after three years. And also because I wanted to start business doing something completely different. And it was through doing 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 that business, which was actually selling gluten free food. So nothing to do with teaching at all. But in that time, that is when I came across meditation and coaching through people that I met doing business networking. And I, I started going along to a meditation group um, in 2006. And really that saved my life because I was having a lot of problems with my eldest son as well. And I had some coaching with, with a a friend of mine who was a coach and I decided after I closed my business that I wanted to go and train to be a coach. Not at that time intending to do anything with, with teachers because I, I had at that time a vision of supporting people who were celiacs and who were struggling to adapt to a gluten-free diet because there was no emotional support there. I mean, I'd had no problems with it myself, but I saw it so much more than food. It was all the emotional uh, stuff that went, that went with changing your diet and the whole sort of lifestyle change almost. And I Googled health coaching, found a course and went to do my coach training, which last for, lasted for a year. And while I was doing that, I went back and did some supply teaching and this time my experience of teaching was was very different because of what I'd learned in the intervening, I think it was five years in between. And I was able to, to cope a lot better. It wasn't necessarily any easier, especially doing supply, but I had the tools to, to cope with it. And I could come home at the end of the day, I could switch off, I would leave, was able to leave it behind, stopped taking things personally and even if I'd had a bad day it didn't mean that I would then carry that forward to the next day or every day as a fresh start and it was while I was doing this and I was just thinking why on earth wasn't I taught this when I did my teacher training <laughs> because it would have made all the difference and obviously doing supply teaching seeing what was really going on in schools because they're not trying to impress you. I felt a bit, you know, a bit like a secret shopper because <laughs> you, you're going in just sort of observing some from the sidelines, so seeing what's happening, what's really happening, and and seeing how many teachers were going off sick because I was in there covering for them, how many teachers were leaving because sometimes I was in there covering where they hadn't been able to recruit anybody, and also. The fact that I was, as I say, I'd learned to meditate, I'd learned to be mindful and trying to be mindful and, and not react to what's going on around you in a school with several hundred people who aren't acting mindfully is really difficult. And that's when I realised that I wanted to help teachers because 
they were almost sort of try in survival mode really and a lot of books even now that are coming out are written with the idea of helping teachers to cope well the thing is that that's getting it all wrong it's not about coping with essentially what is a broken system we know that now because when I I started Happy Teachers um, which is what I originally called my business and I was surprised that the the domain name was available because there was nobody had ever thought that teachers happiness was important before and nobody was, was really talking about that at the time of the importance of taking care of teachers and then of course as we know over the next few years suddenly this well-being uh, for want of a better word um, craze just suddenly took off and everybody said oh it went into panic mode we need to look after teachers and again it was all this reaction about oh we need to do something but instead of just taking a step back and thinking okay let's look at this objectively look at what's going on what needs to happen there suddenly it suddenly becomes a tick box exercise or we need to do something and we'll just do anything whether it works or not and in most cases it doesn't because i've seen what schools are doing and now and it's sort of almost i've been watching it kind of evolve from okay we've got to do something panic we'll do anything and in a lot of cases, I think you look at schools and you think they would be better off if they'd have done nothing <laughs> rather than they, they've just creating more work for themselves. Oh, we've got to write a well-being policy. We've got to have a well-being manager. Well, I spoke to somebody who was her school's well-being manager who was taking medication for anxiety because she was having to support everybody else and wasn't getting any support herself. And because the problem is that everybody's trying to fix what's out there. Oh, we have to sort out the workload. We have to write a new marking policy. We have to, as I say, get somebody, put somebody in charge of well-being. Let's have a well-being week. I spoke to somebody who was on my one of my programs earlier this year, and he said in his school they'd recently had a well-being week where they focused on well-being. And I said, well, then, well, then what? And he said, exactly. Um, and I think that they are starting to realise now that all this isn't working and it needs to be embedded into the school culture. And also, more importantly than that, it needs to come from the top. Because I know from my own experience, that when you know going into school, you're trying to act mindfully and nobody else is. It's really difficult when it's not part of the school culture and you've got the senior leadership team often I mean I'm not saying they're all like this because they're not but in a lot of cases they're actually making teachers jobs more difficult because of their own lack of self-awareness on the effects that their thoughts that and their actions are having on the school culture and I actually had a meeting on Friday with, well, one or two ex-head teachers, another coach and a head teacher about how we can support head teachers 
more because I speak to a lot of teachers, obviously, and head teachers, but more teachers than head teachers. And the reason a lot of teachers are finding it difficult, they want to do this, but in their school culture, it's very hard for them if the school culture is not supportive of their needs. Yeah, and I guess the hardest thing um, for people once you're in that system, of course, is the fact that the system is such that it's all about accountability and about progress and tick boxing, like you said, and all those kind of things. And so therefore, when you put something new into the school, even if it's supposed to help, that's kind of often the mentality and the understanding of how you need to do something different. And I think that, that like I said, that whole nother level of just isn't, isn't helpful whatsoever. And, um, and, and, I, and I, I, there are so many things there that I really like. And I, and I guess the starting point is is the fact that no matter who you are as a teacher, no matter how self-aware you are, the one thing we do know is that it's a very difficult profession to be in at the moment because of the amount of workload that there is. Um, I think actually being in an environment with 30 children also in a class is actually very, very demanding from an emotional level, from an energy level, from all of those things. And so you need to know that actually you need to be fighting fit as a as a person in order to be able to survive in that particular scenario. As if you're an athlete, you know, you wouldn't try and go and run your fastest 100 metres having not trained. And I, and I think there are some professions where you actually need to be on top form in order to actually cope with the demands of the job that's there. And I guess that's probably very true as teachers. And, and the other thing that I'd like to just pick up on that you said which I think is also important, is the fact the whole well-being culture being something which is to fix something once you've got a problem rather than the embedding that goes in so that you can actually be fighting fit, whether you happen to be a teacher or a pupil, in terms of what it is that you're involved in. Yes, exactly. And and we're talking more about mental and emotional fitness here. I mean, a few years ago, I was doing a maternity cover in a, in a very, very difficult school so I, I realised after I'd been there a little while that I had to, you know, have a, I wouldn't say daily meditation practice, that would be my ideal, but most days I do. But when I was working in this school, my meditation practice was daily. Actually, my work became my practice. I got in super early, so I missed all the traffic and got there before most people. I get in about half past seven, go into my classroom. The first thing I did before I even thought about what I was going to be doing that day was sit down and meditate, making sure that I was in the right place mentally and emotionally, even before the first person came into my classroom, because there was no way otherwise that I would have survived I, I don't think um, and then at the end of the day you know it wasn't it didn't mean then that the kids were all perfectly behaved and the year 10s never made me cry <laughs> but at the end of the day I, I got home and I was okay in myself because I stopped taking it personally it's almost because you see when you become more, more self-aware you know of your own sort of processes and how you're responding and what your triggers are you see it in other people as well so when you when you see sort of for example how the kids are behaving and that's a whole other issue about how we we deal with behavior they're not necessarily being naughty they're just reacting to their their conditions whether that's how they're treated at home 
by the teachers, just being in that situation in a school. I mean, whoever thought it was a good idea to stick several hundred kids in a in a building together and think that it would all be okay. <laughs> and yet we have the expectation, don't we, that we're going to put all these kids with all these various needs, uh, backgrounds, levels, different abilities, you know, some some are, are creative, some are more academic, some are sporty, and somehow think that we're going to chuck all these kids in together and it's going to be okay. Uh, and that's why you say that we do. We have to be... We have to be mentally, emotionally fit to be able to to deal with all with all that that's going on around us, as well as what's going on outside of school as well that everybody's bringing into the mix. Absolutely, and I think it's a really important thing the the outside of school thing that you mentioned, especially at the beginning of our conversation, the fact that on lots of social media and certainly in Facebook groups and things like that, you do often see this sense of oh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed or I'm stressed because I need to find this resource or that resource or I don't have the time. And But actually, there's very little talk and chatter about the fact that that's only one part of some of the the stress because, like you say, you might have people at home that you're having to deal with. You know, you might be going through a divorce. You, you know, then you might have um, an, an ill member of the family that you're looking after. There's so many other things, but that doesn't even get taken into the equation a lot of the time and I think that's a really big factor as you described as well. No exactly and um, one thing that I first became aware of actually last year during the summer holidays and again I've seen the same thing playing out this year in sort of social media in Facebook groups on Twitter and things a lot how many teachers struggle in the summer holidays (laughs) because they they haven't got that structure and that routine and and that's the thing with all these sort of well-being policies and that I've seen and blog posts nobody is taking any of that into account they're saying oh yes we 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 need to um, reduce workload we need to sort out our marking policy behavior policies um, we need to appreciate staff more and I'm saying there's not that there's anything wrong with any of those but we need to take a holistic approach they're not focusing on the actual teachers themselves they're just focusing on changing what's going on around them you know and the other thing is of course the thing about school budgets being tight but also they they don't seem to realize that if the government turn around today and say okay you can have all the money you want that our problems aren't all going to magically disappear just because we inject a load of money into the system and the only way that anything is going to change is when the people change because it starts from within because our outer world our outer reality is merely a reflection of what's going on inside because otherwise you know because there are teachers out there who cope fine and we we only ever hear about the ones who don't and I always think that that we we do get quite a skewed view of the situation because obviously bad news sells and and it doesn't also give remind us that despite all this there is so much good stuff happening in schools and teachers are doing an amazing job despite all the pressures and the challenges that they're up against and I don't think we focus on that enough either. I think that's absolutely true and that's essentially why this podcast was originally created is by my passion project to share the great stuff that was going on in that kind of dialogue of negativity. Um, so 
let's talk a little bit specifically now about what you do within conscious schools in terms of how, how do you work do you go in and, and do things with whole schools and, and i appreciate what you said before about it comes from the top and that ethos being sort of dripped down through the school or if you're an individual teacher who's really listening and thinking oh yeah you're sort of speaking my language um do you work with them individually so so how does conscious schools work and exactly how can you help people well mostly at the moment it's online it's it's really just been growing o- over the last few months really because i was obviously as i said faced with the challenge of schools having limited budgets so i've been trying to be more creative and thinking well how can i support as many people as possible taking into account that schools don't have have huge budgets so i've i've created an online program which is self a self study program and of course you you learn you learn as you go and realizing that that some people they will do it and and they'll get a lot out of it but most people won't do anything you know you can you can present it to them on a platter look here's the solution i can help you but they won't do anything about it because change is scary and 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 it's human nature <laughs> that despite everything that's going on all what it boils down to is that everybody we all have to take responsibility for ourselves and a lot of people don't want to do that because they're, they're quite happy to blame all their problems on the government and and their head teacher or Ofsted or whatever but the thing is that we're all part of the problem if we're in it we're part of the problem and, and and until everybody starts to take responsibility for what's going on in their school, in their classroom, then things won't won't change. So it, it does. It start. I believe it starts with us. And so that's why I created this online program. And as I said, the reason I decided to take it online is because teachers are busy. Then they can fit it in around around what they're doing. And it, they'll be, it'll be recorded as well, so they can, if they can't make the live session, they'll be, they'll be able to listen to the recording, and then they'll have it to to go over in their own time as well. I think, I think it's really important to remember that um, essentially it's the heart of you is the, is the, is the starting point, and and depending mm-hmm. on where you are in your sort of teaching journey, you know, you got the excitement of being an NQT as well as all the the stresses and trials of sort of finding your feet and then you get in in into your teaching profession it may well be that as you're getting further in um your personal life develops or changes and so that you have a slightly different shift um and it may well be then as you go even further into your career that you help sort of have different perspectives and, and different experiences and i think all of those things are obviously very valid and i'll be very true to you depending on where you are but i think like you said understanding who you are and where you come from to begin with is is absolutely key i think you're, you're absolutely right about the the senior leadership team in as much as if a school has an idea about how they're trying to create an ethos how they're trying to support teachers overall then their well-being their understanding the amount of workload you know there are plenty of schools out there who have different marking policies which take the massive stress of time away from that particular thing or if they have 
like you say, if they have programs within school to help teachers understand their well-being, not that they're trying to fix anything, but they can actually understand who they are, how they fit in, and have this whole perspective. We talked um, a little bit earlier about the fact that teachers often struggle to know what to do within the school holidays. You know, should you be working? Should you not be working? Should you be going into the classroom to get ready for the next term? Should you not open your laptop because you don't want to see what's coming up? Um, And actually, one of the things I liked about what you said was the fact that you actually can create time for yourself depending on what it is that you're after and if we're assuming that you're a teacher who's gone into the profession like I said because you're caring and you're kind and you're gifted and you want to support children but you're starting to feel like it's actually quite hard work or you're starting to struggle actually that's your main focus then and within the holidays maybe it is a summer holiday that you think actually maybe I do now have the time to take a course to do something to be understanding of me and how I fit in and how it all fits around my world so that Mm -hmm. I can then show up in the next year or the next term or whatever it happens to be to do that and I think that's the beauty of the new online resources which are available like you said because you can do it in your own time you can do it in a way that supports you so that you can give your best and and I think it's absolutely true that you showing up into the world differently absolutely affects everyone around you and showing up authentically and talking about these things within your class is going to have a very positive effect on on your pupils and your students and and all the conversations that go that go around with it and I think yes it'd be great if you could take some of these ideas to the head and that filter through and and if that's at all possible then it's a brilliant thing to happen and if you happen to be in a school where that's the case then brilliant too and that's the same with all sorts of education policies but at the same time as you go further down and further down and further down it's about you at the end of the day and like you said that personal responsibility to want to feel different to show up different to know that actually next year when you go into the school you're still going to have a lot of the same constraints and the same ideas and like you said you know hundreds of kids within an environment which feels quite a lot like a prison these days with all the um, fencing around and and all the testing and and all those sort of confines that's probably not going to be different next year despite things that people are doing to try and help that but what you can do is how you fit into it and how you show up in it and that's really what we're talking about and and not fixing where you are but giving you all those strengths and all those understandings that can make a difference tomorrow you know because it does happen very quickly once you start to understand it and then with that the time and the understanding and the experience as you grow into this whole way of working which um can just change everything as you described before so just to round up now, just tell people how they can find out more um, exactly sort of the home of conscious schools, as it were, and, and the sorts of things they can expect if they want to really help themselves on that sort of personal level. Yes, well, I do have sort of different different levels of <laughs> where where they. I mean, I have a Facebook group which is um, called Conscious Teachers, and I think if you probably go into Facebook and search, you'll you'll find it. And, yeah, they can find out more at happyteachers.co.uk. If you want to find out links to all these things as well, they will always be on the show notes. So if you go to educationonfire.com forward slash conscious schools. Helen, thanks so much for chatting to me. It's been really interesting hearing your experience and, and how that's got you into this coaching world and, and well-being way of being able to support teachers from that real practical experience and understanding. So I really appreciate your time and um, hopefully you can affect um, as many teachers positively as possible. Well, thank you, Mark, for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed it. As you can tell, I'm probably tell I'm very passionate about this. I also do um, daily videos on YouTube as well. It's called Happy Teachers, my YouTube channel.
fantastic and we'll have links to all those as we said on the show notes so yeah. that people can check that out lovely thank you so much helen okay thanks mark thanks for listening to the education on fire podcast for more information of each episode and to get in touch go to educationonfire.com education is not the filling of a pail but the lighting of a fire do you need help and support in creating and embedding music in your school if so, we have created Primary Music on Fire to help you with just this, a music membership site that's taking the fear out of teaching music by giving you the step-by-step skills and ongoing support you need to produce lifelong musical memories for you, your school, and your pupils. Go to educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music.